somebody like sing or something. If we don't do this now, it'll be irritating during the message. Amen. Thank you, dear. Hallelujah. That has been... We've already had church. Let's go eat lunch. Let's just go eat lunch. We have had some church. Amen. It's been a lot of fun. Quentin, that was a powerful word. I hope y'all heard that. Just, there's nothing that, that, uh, that can make the word truer than, than you seeing it lived out in somebody's life. This isn't a game. This isn't just something that we say. Uh, we're not trying to be religious. We are uh, really believe that God's word works, but it works when you work the word. Amen. You got to work the word. So we've been talking about for the past three weeks, I think, the inauguration. Amen. Our country just experienced an inauguration this past uh, Friday where we inaugurated a brand new president. Amen. So, so we're kind of staying in that vein of where our country's at. It's something that we're all experiencing right now, whether uh, you're excited about it or not. Amen. I'm not going to be super political in my message. So I, I asked you last week, this is a continuation from last week, uh, to, to don't be political on me, be spiritual with me. Amen. And so, because there's some things that God wants to do in our lives dealing with this inauguration. Do y'all have that slide? Uh, Rachel, do you have that slide? The inauguration? Yeah, there it is. To make a formal beginning of. Amen. And, and, and for God to start some new stuff in your life, We've got to allow him to do some new things. Some changes have to be made. Amen? And so uh, to, to make a formal beginning of, one of the, the, what I started last week, how many of y'all were here last week? It, it was, it, it was a, a really good message, but it, that message was not meant to stand on its own. It was just the beginning of uh, a message. So a lot of us were excited last week. Maybe you left feeling really pumped up, but a little bit frustrated at the same time uh, because the, the, the answers to how to get to where we talked about getting last week are in this week's message. Amen? So you'll feel better today, I hope. Still encouraged, still fired up, but maybe with some more practical ideas of how we take that step. And so I don't want to re-preach last week's message, but it's called the first 100 days. We said that no president steps into office without having a 100-day plan uh, written out, without having a vision of where he's going. No president does it. No president steps into office and goes, okay, what do we do now? No, 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 no. They have been preparing. They have been planning. There is a vision. There is a plan of action that will take place that, that they will start the day that they're inaugurated. Amen? And so us as believers, we have the, all these new beginnings, but not a lot of believers have plans of action. How, how are we going to, what is my vision for what I'm stepping into, this new season, this new beginning? Listen, those of you that got baptized, what is your vision? Did you just get baptized and say, yes, all things are new in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Or did you say, all things are new in Christ, now God lay out for me some practical steps that I need to take to be successful as a believer? Listen, God doesn't set us up for failure. He wants us to succeed in this thing called Christianity. Amen? And so we're talking about our plan of action. Uh, coming out of Joshua chapter 1, if you got your Bible, you can turn there. We'll read the first few verses. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into a land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all of the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. So last week, we all got a piece of paper and we wrote a goal. We wrote a goal on that piece of paper 
of something that we would like to accomplish in 2017. And it got real shaky. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you do it again today. It got a little shaky. It, it got a little crazy because it gets weird when people start writing stuff down, right? It gets real when people start writing stuff down. And so we talked about the number one thing that's going to keep us from accomplishing these goals. It's going to keep us from accomplishing the plan that God gives us to be successful. The number one thing that's going to keep us from that is fear of failure. Y'all remember? Fear of failure. What if I try and it doesn't work? If you were here, what should you do if that happens? What? What, Brody? Try again. What if I try and it doesn't work? Try again. And, and, and the great thing about this story, the Israelites crossing over into the promised land, crossing over into the promised land, crossing over into that, in, into that thing that God had shown them, reaching their goal. The coolest thing about it is, is it wasn't their first time to try. Amen? Isn't that such a sigh of relief? It is for me. Because if you're like me, you have tried and you have failed. Amen? You have tried and you have failed. And so that would cause fear to rise in us and say, no, 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 no. You've tried that before. You've tried to fix your marriage before. You've tried to lose weight before. You've tried to stop smoking before. You've tried to quit looking at pornography before. You've, you've tried to start tithing before. No, 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 no. You've done that. You're a loser. Don't even think you can do that. That's the voice. Maybe I'm the only one that hears it. If I'm not, be with me right now. Amen? So, 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 so we, we have this fear of failure, but I love the quote. Uh, the quote by Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela said, I don't win or lose. I win or learn. Right? I don't win or lose. I win or learn. That means even, even if I have failed seven times before, when I get back up this time, I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm smarter, and I know Jesus more, right? I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm smarter, and I know Jesus more. So try again. And last week, we talked about taking that step. And I want to tell you something. If you did take that step, and then you woke up the next day frustrated, still afraid, that's okay. You're in a good place. Amen? You're in a good place because you have that vision in front of you. You can see the promised land. You're just not quite sure how you're going to get there. It's okay. We're going to talk about how to get there today. So Joshua, we think that maybe uh, Joshua was fearless. Joshua stared at the promised land. He stared at Jericho. He stares at everything that God had promised them. He sloughs off the death of Moses and he, 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 he leads the charge without fear to conquer and possess all that God had promised him. But it's not true. Joshua stood on the banks of the river Jordan, staring across that river at what God had promised him and he was shaking in his boots. He was terrified, just like you are, just like I am. When I look at that thing, when I look at that goal, when I look at the thing that I've tried before and it hasn't worked out, and I say, I don't see how I'm going to accomplish this thing. I don't see how it's going to happen. Joshua was afraid, and we know this because of what the Scripture tells us. Joshua 1, 6 and 7 he, God tells Joshua this. He's telling Joshua what we just read, right? You're going to go and you're going to possess and you're going to drive out the people. You're going to be just like Moses. You're a stud, Joshua. And Joshua's like, oh, 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 okay, oh, I don't, oh. and, then jo and then God sees him shaking and he says, Joshua, be strong, be courageous. Because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then he says it again in verse 7. Joshua is, is probably messed his drawers. And God can smell it. And he tells him again in verse 7. Be sh strong. Be very courageous. Now we know that Joshua is afraid just because we know what the definition of courage is. Courage 
means the ability to do something that frightens one. This isn't even Christian definition. (laughs) This isn't Strong's. This is Webster here. Strength in the face of fear, pain, or grief. Courage does not mean that there is an absence of fear. It means that you are surrounded by fear, but you make the choice to move forward anyways. Even though you're afraid, you still do it. Listen, I'm scared, God, to step out there and begin to tithe. I'm scared that we won't be able to make it, and and, and fear surrounds you, but you rise up in courage and say, that's okay, I'm going to tithe anyways. God, I'm scared if I work on my marriage again that it's going to wind up worse than it already is. At least we're, we're able to live together right now. That's okay. Move forward and don't let fear dictate what you're going to do. You got to have courage. Everybody say courage. courage. If we're going to accomplish our plan of action, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage in these three areas to accomplish our goals. The first one is courage to write the vision. You said we've already talked about this. Can we move on? No, we're going to talk about some more. Amen. Courage to get out a pen and write the vision. Lewis Carroll, who's the author of Alice in Wonderland, weird dude if you read about him, said any road will get you there if you don't know where you're going. That's so powerful. Any road will get you there if you don't know where you're going. So, so those of you that don't know what that means, let, let, let me say it like this. Have you ever woken up and said the words, how did I get here? How did I get here? Right? Have you ever woken up, I'm in the metal right now, and rolled over in bed and said, how did he get here? Have you ever been working at a job that you could not stand with every fiber of your being and you said, how did I get here? Any road will get you there if you don't know where you're going. This is why it's so important to write the vision. Write the vision. We just went on vacation, and I, got, I, I pulled out my GPS, and I typed in Red River, New Mexico, start. <laughs> and this female computer voice every few minutes said, turn right 100 feet, <laughs> left on highway such and such. And I didn't even have to think about it. Why? Because I knew where I had a destination in mind. See, too many of us are existing in Christianity and we have no destination in mind. But listen, we're going to get courageous. And we're going to dream. We're going to allow the spirit of God to speak to us and say, 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 Colby, here's what I have for you. Okay, God, that's impossible. Sounds stupid. Don't believe it can actually happen, but you said it, so I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to put it on my mirror. I'm going to put it on my computer. I'm going to keep it in front of me to where every single day I see where I'm going. Can I tell you something? It was a long, painful ride to Red River, but she kept on telling me where I was going. Left turn, right turn, straight. Left turn, right turn. I had a destination in mind. That's how I got there. My wife. Well, Habakkuk 2 2. I just so you don't think I'm making up this stuff. It says it in the Bible. Habakkuk 2 2 says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain upon tablets that he who runs. 
that, that he may run that readeth it. He says, put it on your tablet. Serious. Your iPad. You're, you're, I don't know anything else. Does anybody else use something besides Apple, Howard? Samsung. Does Samsung make a tablet? I don't know. I don't settle for second best, but I... Uh, said, put it on your tablet. Listen, we got to write this stuff down. The Word of God tells us to. The vision is the promise. It's the end game. It's the big picture. You got to keep it in front of you constantly, even if it seems impossible, even if it seems far away. Because just like Quentin, 15 years later, he wouldn't have told you that 15 years ago. But he kept the vision in front of him. My wife... uh, I think I've told this story before. I'm not sure. Maybe you've seen this. Whenever we were in Bible school, we were, we were dating, dating. I mean, we were like, we were kissing friends, right? We we're good friends. <clears throat> Kissed every once in a while, right? And, 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 uh, and so we, 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 were, we, were, we were together. We were good friends. We were both at Bible school seeking what God wanted for our lives. And, and we, we, we were, took a class. And Brother Philip was our teacher. And uh, Brother Philip was our teacher. And, and, and they made us write down 10 things that we were believing God for in a, in a mate, in a husband or a wife. 10 things, right? I was like, please. I just wrote down one thing, Rachel. <laughs> Boom. Got my vision. I got my vision. still got that vision. We're more than kissing friends now, y'all. But I look across the room at Rachel at her desk, and she's like, like 30 minutes, she's so I was, I was, uh, I was in good with her roommates. As soon as the class ended, I ran up to one of her roommates and I said, get me that list. Get, get me the list, right? And so she got me the list. And here's the list right there. Ten things I wanted to make, Brother Philip, Miss Laura. And I, I have the original right here. We keep it in plastic. Just you got to guard the vision. got to guard the vision. Ten things I wanted to make. She wrote it down. Holy Ghost filled, I'm reading this. Holy Ghost filled Christian fulfilling God's cause. Have a vision that will complement mine. What do you want to do, baby? Right? I am checking off the list. Love kids. Love them. Love them. I love diapers. I love kids. What do you want to do? Love kids. Be in love with me and treat me special. Duh. Right? Be the spiritual head of our house. I didn't know what that meant, but I started studying. Have a sense of humor. See, no, no. She just, she, she regrets this one right now. She has told me since then. She just wrote sense of humor. She didn't say what kind. I think she would have added not irritating. Be a hard worker, knows how to have fun. I'm checking these off. I'm like, this is me, my God. She she should have just written my name. Gets along with both of our families most of the time. Good source of income. She didn't define good. And then she adds a number 11. I'm like, my God, I am the man. And then she adds a number 11. It says it would be nice if he played the guitar. At that moment in my life, I had never played a note of the guitar or any other instrument. Can I tell you something? The first thing I did that day. No, back, we were at the bar back then, and, and uh, there was somebody had... There, we used to lay our sins down at the cross, actually. There was a cross with like like beer cans and cigarette packs on it and like stapled to it. And uh, you literally laid your sins down at the cross. 
And somebody put a guitar at the bottom of that cross. What's another man's sin? Right? So I called pastor. I said, hey, ain't no sense in that guitar sitting down there wasting, wasting space. Uh, I, I need to learn how to play the guitar quick. No, no, I didn't tell him, tell him why. And so I went and got, got that guitar and prayed over it and anointed it with oil. And so it was sin free. And, and I began to learn how to play that guitar because my God, I'm going to be the vision. Amen. But, but I, I, I like this because along the way, from the time she wrote this until the time we got married, I think that there were several opportunities, and I'm sure that there were several times when, when, when maybe there was something else or somebody else or a thought or, 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 or something going on in her mind, but, but before she would move in that direction, she would go, wait a minute. Because, see, things weren't settled yet. And for me, they were. But for her, I was still working on it. <clears throat> but every single time, I'm sure something would come up, she would get her list out and say, well, he's not spirit-filled. I, I, I won't date a man who's not spirit-filled. He, he doesn't have a vision that complements mine. How could, how could I? See, see, she had a destination. This was her destination, and she wrote it down. If you are a teenage young lady, and if you are a single young lady or a single man, listen to me. Don't settle. Don't, don't wake up one day and go, how did he or she get here? Oh. Write a vision. Get a plan. But listen, this applies to any area of our lives. So, so right now, some of y'all are thinking, my God, I have woken up and said that about the person I am married to. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Don't go get a divorce and make a vision and go get somebody new. That's not what I'm preaching. Get a vision for your marriage. Amen. Write it down. Listen to me. It is powerful when we put a destination on our journey. When we allow God to speak to us, we put a destination on our journey. If we have the courage to write it, it's real. And here's the thing about writing it down, why some of us don't. When we write it, we become responsible for it. The Israelites had kept the vision in front of them for almost 500 years. From the time God spoke to Abraham, or he was Abram at the time, when he was 70 years old, it was almost 500 years later, that the Israelites are fixing to take that step. And the Israelites from generation to generation had kept the vision. And what does God do in Joshua chapter 1 before Moses crosses? He says, Moses, let me, let me remind you of the vision one more time. You're gonna go, it goes from the river Euphrates. It goes over here. It goes to here. Look at the stars. It's, that's, listen to me. This is the promise. They had kept the promise in front of them for almost 500 years. We, we, we struggle if we don't get the promise in like five minutes. Right? Right? Our, 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 when, I'm, when I go on a weight loss campaign and I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. And I wake up the next day and I lost half a pound. I go, I quit. Should have lost 100 first day. This is too hard. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're going to tell me that this could take a long time? When you wake up the next day and your husband has not changed a lick? And you say, what's the point? Wait, you mean to tell me I might have to stick with this vision? I might have to keep it in front of me for a little while? I love it. The Israelites didn't give up. No matter how irritating they were, no matter the mistakes they made, they still wound up at the banks of the Jordan. They still wound up there. Why? Because there was a vision, even though sometimes it didn't look like it, even though sometimes it didn't feel like it. There always was a vision. Some of us, how long do we last? Week, two weeks, month. Things get tough, things get hard. It really starts getting real, right? Because right now this is like fun. This is, this is good. But how many of you know this list, I won't go into details, this list got real. <laughs> it got real. There were hard times. We almost didn't get there. Kept the vision in front of us. Amen? Listen, all kinds of different people in the Bible had to wait 
lots of different lengths of time to get what they wanted. I go to the Gospels and I see lots of different uh, instances where people had to wait different amounts of time before God gave them what they wanted. I think of Peter's mother in Matthew chapter 8. Peter's mother sick with a fever, maybe for a day or two. She wanted to get well. She didn't have to wait long. Jesus healed her. I think of Lazarus. I mean, that was a long four days. People didn't want him dead, though. Four days, he waited. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years. Twelve years. But you know what I love about it? Yes, she went to the wrong places, and yes, she did some of the wrong things, but her want never changed. I want to be well. I want a good marriage. I want to stop smoking. I want that job. I want that promotion. No matter 12 years, she did not lose her want. She kept the vision of being well in front of her for 12 years. And then one day she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of this garment. 12 years, she didn't give up. I think about the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5 says he laid there every single day for 38 years. And I have never preached about this guy in a positive way because of the way he responded to Jesus when Jesus said, do you want to be well? All he could do is say, I I can't get in the pool. Everybody gets down there before me. But my eyes have been opened to the fact that he went to get well every day for 38 years. He did not give up. 38 years. What if he would have given up in 37? He stuck with the idea of getting better for 38 years. Blind Bartimaeus. Most people believe he was blind his entire life from the day he was born. Jesus comes walking down the roadside and he comes running up to him and he says, what, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He had always dreamed of seeing. His entire life, he wanted to see. And Jesus allowed him, after a lifetime of waiting, to get what he wanted. What do you want? Don't give up on the vision. Amen. Write it down. Keep it in front of you. The second thing that you're going to have to have courage for is courage to walk by faith. Now, listen, we have preached the snot out of vision, haven't we? Vision sees beyond our present circumstances. Thank God. We are not always going to be where we are today. But we are where we are today. (laughs) And we can't fake our way out of it. Like, here's where I am. Here's where I'm starting. Yes, I have a vision. Vision sees beyond my circumstances. You know what faith does? That's why you can't have one without the other. Faith walks us through our circumstances. Faith is today. Vision is all about what's going to happen. Faith is going to get you to what's going to happen. Amen? Faith walks us through our circumstances. I love the way the Bible always talks about faith. Faith is always talked about as in a walking experience. Right? It is a walking experience. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we what by faith? Walk by faith, not by sight. So how, 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 do we, how do we walk by faith? I'm going to teach you how to walk by faith today. Listen, it's going to blow your mind. So this is where we left some of y'all hanging last week and you were a little bit frustrated. You walk by faith one step at a time. See, I love, I love dreaming of, of uh, looking like Rooker or something, <laughs> whatever. Right? I love dreaming about that. But I, I, where's Rucker at? Is he in here? Good. Skipping church. Slacker. Listen. <clears throat> One, but, but, but you know, right? Right? I got a picture of Rooker up on my mirror. And how do I get there? No, I'm just kidding. How am I going to get there? One step 
at a time. See, this is where it plays into daily decisions. This is where it plays into, as Bill Gilliam would say, bringing Christ online every single decision that I make. Are y'all tired of me doing that? See, this is where it gets real. I am fixing to walk by faith. Every single decision. Now, I have a, God has given me a vision. He's given me a goal. He's given me a plan. Now, I have to allow Christ to live in and through me with every single step, every single decision I make, or there's no way I can get there. Faith sees beyond your circumstances. I mean, vision sees beyond your circumstances. Faith walks you through them. You can't deny where you are. You ain't got no money in that bank account. Your husband's a jerk, right? You're overweight. You can't deny where you are. Vision is awesome, right? Vision is glorious. But now we got to bring faith into the mix and let it walk us through the day-to-day, through the trenches, through the, this is the real stuff. This is through the fights, through the frustrations. This is through daily life. I love thinking about life and like the big picture. And then I wake up and I'm stuck in the moment. It's real when you wake up. That's why I love the way God tells Moses he's fixing to possess what God has shown the Israelites for almost 500 years. Here's how he says I'm going to do it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. He tells, listen, listen what he tells Joshua, it's so important. He says, Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. <laughs> he didn't give him the whole promised land at once. It, it, he didn't cross over the Jordan and say, here it is. <laughs> He crossed over the Jordan and he said, okay, guys, how much do we own so far? I don't know. How far have we walked? (laughs) I own this place. I I, I own this now. See, see, I, I haven't possessed where I have not gone, but I have possessed what I have had faith to step on what I have had faith to walk in, now it's mine. See, once I step there, you can't take it back from me because I have gone there and realized the goodness and grace of God that that is mine. I own that. That's mine. Listen to me. Maybe you can't wrap your mind around a happy marriage, but you can take a step. You can set up a meeting with the pastors. I can't wrap my mind around how all this is going to work out and how it's not going to wind up in divorce. The kids are, kids are torn apart. Everything's awful. I don't know how that's going to happen. I can't see it right now, but I can, I can buy that book and read the first chapter. I can get advice from somebody godly. I, 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 don't, see me, I don't see me in wedding bliss right now, but, but I can take a step. And every single step I take, I own it. Amen? I can't wrap my mind around owning my own business. But I can start putting away a little bit of money today. Today. See, I can do something. I can take a step. See, this is what people don't like about Christianity. We don't want it to be that real. You mean I, I, I have to allow God to give me courage and faith in, 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 in every single step? Yeah. Every, every step I take, I take in you. You Sorry. That's been outlawed in the church, I think. I can't wrap my mind around losing 50 pounds, but I can make a good eating decision today. I can go on a walk today. But see, if you're like me, you get all lost in the, in, in the bigness of it. See, this is why Moses was scared. He looked across and saw Jericho. Those were big walls. You got to take a step. You got to take a step. But here's the problem with taking a step. The first step is always the hardest step. First step is always the hardest step. 
every single time. Listen to what Joshua's first step was. Joshua chapter 3, verse 13. It says, As soon as a priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan. His first step in possessing the promise was one foot in the river. But the first step was the hardest step. So step foot in the Jordan, its waters will flow downstream and be cut off and stand up in a heap. So that when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now listen to what it says. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. The Jordan was flooded at this time. And, and, and just so you can wrap your mind, get a visual about what that actually looks like, I found a video of the Jordan River at flood stage. Let's, let's play this. That is the Jordan River. This is Israel. And this is the Jordan River out of its banks at flood stage. Are y'all getting this? So Joshua, God says, cross the Jordan River. Thank you. God says, cross the Jordan River. That was his first step. Listen, you might have been waiting for a more convenient time because some of y'all are sitting there right now thinking this is the worst time I can think of to take that first step. Let me get my money a little bit better. Let, let, me, let me get my marriage a little bit, bit better. Let me get my life together a little bit before I take that first step towards God. No, 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 no. God is not waiting. God made sure the rivers were out of their banks before he told Joshua to take his first step. Why? Because God is not wanting you to wait till it's convenient to do what he says to do. He, he is going to wait until you have to depend on him the most. Come on, some of y'all's Jordan is flooded right now and you say, not today. I can't start serving God today. I won't start working on my marriage today. My money is a wreck. I'm fatter than I've ever been. Listen to me. Take the step. Why? You've got to depend on him to do it. If it were easy enough for you to do it on your own, it would have already been done. What a better day than today to depend on Jesus to do the impossible. Come on. That's good. We got to have courage to walk by faith. And the last thing, the last thing, and this one's tough, is we've got to have courage to change. Courage to change. but I don't want to change. Any new season, any goal, any plan of action will always require change on our part. It always requires personal growth. Every single time. Anytime God gives you a vision, anytime God shows you something new he wants to do in your life, where you are now is not enough to where he wants to take you. You've got to grow. You don't go into the promised land. You grow into the promised land. And this is what's frustrating, right? I just want to go there. I just want it to happen. I just want to be there. I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. You grow there. This is called church. This is called week in and week out. This is called praying. This is called getting with my brothers and sisters in Christ and saying, listen to me, God's doing something new and fresh in my life. If I want to get to where he's taking me, then something has to change. Point to yourself real quick. Here. Because we all know what needs to change in our spouse. We all know what needs to change on our job in order for us to get more money. Boss needs to need, I, I deserved that raise three months ago. We all know what needs to change in somebody else. But God's dealing with us today. And if he's going to take us to where he's shown us, then we've got to grow into it. How many want to grow into it? How many want to grow into it? I'm almost done preaching, guys. Whatever your plan of action is, 
it will require your willingness to grow and to change. Joshua had a willingness to grow and change in order to cross over into the promised land. You say, how do you know? How, how scary do you think it was when God came to him and said, Moses is dead? You're in charge now. He grew from assistant leader to senior leader overnight. And that would be cool if he would have been able to like bring in his own leadership crew, his own people with him to like run the people. But, but it, he had to use Moses' leaders. He didn't get to bring his own people, right? Like when a, when a head coach changes in the NFL, he doesn't, they don't just change the head coach. Every coach changes. He brings in his own people, not Joshua. Joshua did not replace a leader that people did not like. He replaced a leader that people loved. People that would be critical of his every move. Joshua was willing to grow. Joshua was willing to change. And if you want to know the real truth, it was Moses' unwillingness to change. Moses' unwillingness to grow that kept him out of the promised land. I'm going to read you a story. I will scream a few things, and then we're going to finish. Numbers 20, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, the Israelites are in the wilderness. Come on, are you in the wilderness right now? Come on, go there with me. The Israelites are in the wilderness. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff. The people are whining for the second time. There's no water. There's nothing to drink. God says to Moses, verse 8, take the staff and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded. Everybody get your staff. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. <laughs> we, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice and water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land which I give them. Holy cow. God was taking Moses and his people into a new season, into a new land, and he asked Moses to change and grow, and Moses refused. He asked Moses to speak, this is crazy, speak to the rock so that water can come out for the people. And Moses goes over to the rock, and he hits it with his stick. He hit it. And I'm sure he went, what? No water? Is this thing broken? And he hits the rock a second time and water comes out. Can I ask you something? If we, we learn about the history of Moses' life, when Moses became a leader, God, the, the one thing that he told God he could not do if he was going to lead his people out of Egypt, was be a speaker. He was weak in speech. And so God said, that's cool. Your brother can speak for you, and I will give you a stick that will speak for itself. He parts seas with the stick, right? He, he, he turns the river into blood with the stick. He, he turns the stick into snakes. The stick was the way Moses led his people. He led with the stick. Somebody say the stick. He led with a stick. It's the way he liked to lead. It's the way he was comfortable leading. It's the way he had always led. It's what had always worked for him. It's what had always worked for him. 
And now God, knowing he's about to take him into a new land, into a new season, says, Moses, honey, what has always worked for you in the wilderness, what has always worked for you, listen, what worked for you to get out of Egypt is not what's going to work for you to get into the promised land. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to grow. And here's what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with the thing that you are the weakest at. I don't know what's wrong with this microphone. I'm fixing to throw it against the wall, but just stay with me. Just let it creak. It's okay. He asked Moses to do the one thing that Moses was the worst at doing. The one thing that he would have to trust God the most to do. He asked Moses to speak to the rock. He asked him to grow. He asked him to depend on him at another level. And Moses refused. You know what the most frustrating thing about this is? Most frustrating thing about this story frustrates the snot out of me is why did water come out of that rock? Why did God let water come out of that rock? God, number one, he loved the people. He wasn't going to let Moses' ignorance stand in front of the community of people. He wasn't going to let one man waste it for all these men. Why would God allow Moses? Why did he let water come out of that rock? It's frustrating. I mean, don't you think that, that water should have just, water should have just, Stayed in there. People should have just been thirsty. He hit it twice. And this is what keeps so many of us. The, the water came out of that rock. And this is what keeps so many of us in our wilderness, in, in our place where we're not willing to change. Because what we're doing in this season, it's actually kind of working. I mean, you're, you're looking at somebody and you're saying, why would I want to change? This is actually working. Why would I want to grow? What I'm doing is getting me by. But see, God's not where you are. He's where he wants to take you. And he's saying, what gets you by in this season isn't going to be enough to get you by in the next season. I am really preaching good. Just because... What is working, kind of working for you, keeping you at the level that you are, just because it's still working doesn't mean you need to keep doing it. <laughs> it's time to grow. It's time to grow. What's your stick? What do you refuse to quit doing? I've always led this way. I've always done this. I, this is the way it's always been. This is comfortable for me. It's easy for me. That's cool. You won't get to see the vision come to pass because something's going to have to change. You're going to have to grow to get from this season to that season. And see, we know that Joshua was not afraid to grow. I love Joshua. Joshua was a warrior. Joshua didn't have a stick. He didn't have a stick. You know what? He had a sword. He'd cut your head off. He was a beast behind a sword. He was chief warrior. And it's cool what God told him to do. It's cool what God told him to do. He says, Joseph, Joshua, whenever you cross over the Jordan, I, I don't want you to fight anybody first. He says, as a matter of fact, don't even lead with your warriors. I want you to sing these people to death. I want you to play flutes and harps and trumpets. You know what Joshua said? See, he learned. He sheathed his sword and he picked up a tambourine. He said, guys, this is how we're going to get it done. God's asking me to do something that I'm not comfortable doing. 
But you know what? I got to really trust him to whip an entire city with a tambourine. I've been preaching too long, I know. It takes courage to write the vision. It takes courage to walk by faith. And it takes courage to be willing to change. That means I'm scared to death to do these things, but I'm going to do them anyways. I'll do it afraid. That's what Joyce Meyer would say. I'll just do it afraid. Courage. Call, we want to get there. We see it. We want it to happen. But it's going to take some courage in the day-to-day. Amen? Today, maybe you've got that vision. You've got something that you want to accomplish in this year. You've got something that you want to work on this year. And you say, today I'm going to ask God for what Joshua had. Not anything crazy special. Not anything uh, super cool or anything. Just courage. The ability to keep moving forward, trusting God in the face of fear. Courage to write the vision. Amen? Courage to grow. Courage to change. Courage to walk by faith. Today, you say, I want that courage. If that's you, stand to your feet. We're going to pray. I want that courage. Come on, I see what God has in front of me, and I see what it's going to take. It's going to take some courage. Hallelujah. Amen. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I see it. I can taste it but I know some things are going to have to change to possess it. So today, I'm asking you to fill me with courage. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with your power. Fill me with the faith to take the step. The first step, the scariest step, I take it today. I say yes to your plan for my life. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen.